Hello, 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 and welcome to the Jock Mailbag Podcast, episode two, the sequel. The electric electric mailbag. <laughs> electric mailbag. That is the voice of Clarky. How are you doing, mate? I am very well, coming off a pretty pretty good start to the Supercoach season, so I can't complain. I could have done better, but I also could have done worse. I'm sort of in that middle ground where I wish I made other decisions in place of the decisions that I made, but I, I'm not in panic stations just yet, and I'd be stupid to be in panic stations after round one. If you're new to the podcast, we answer your questions that you've sent into us via either Twitter or our mailbag which is jockmailbag at gmail.com. Twitter is seems to be the more popular choice, which is understandable, but we do have some inbox questions. Exciting. One from Adrian. He's actually got two questions, Adrian, and we'll allow it because they're good questions. Thank you, Adrian. Is it worth sideways trading a rookie if that rookie didn't play round one? I guess I've got two questions to fire back at him but you can't really answer them look I'll, I'll act as an analog for adrian why did you start rookies that weren't playing in round one it's probably my first question i understand he, he might have had, had a life and couldn't anticipate teams and all that sort of stuff and change as the teams were announced which is fine yep. if that's his answer it depends on the rookies that you have in their place if you have someone like a nick murray or an alec waterman or even like a luke valente they're players who are likely to play at some point fairly soon. And so I would be more inclined to hold them and use them as a loop option if you can. Yeah, here's the th- important thing about that is that prices don't go up for another week. So realistically, you're not. it's not so much a corrective trade. So, I mean, like... When you think about it, how much do you value your trades that are going to be left? If you don't have to make them, then you're probably better off saving them. Um, you know, just because maybe you didn't have Eric Golden or you didn't have James Rowe for whatever reason. Um, you can still bring them in next week. You can see what it looks like down the line and you can still get a bit more. I mean, the chances of you messing up so many rookies that you absolutely need to trade one in this week is pretty slim. But, um, you know, to each their own. I mean, if you've got rookies on field who are still going to generate you money, if you've got guys who are just on the fringe who maybe didn't get a game this week, Connor Downey is probably another one um, who infamously was named and didn't play in his first ever game and now has that as his first ever game um, on his record. So if you've got someone like that who's just on the fringes, then it's not panic stations just yet until you, you know, until you don't have anyone left and then you need to start looking at where you're getting your money from. Yeah, I agree. If it's if it gets to the point where it's uh, stifling your uh, cash generation, then I think a sideways trade is good down the line. But um, trades aren't something you get replenished at any point during the season. So you need to really work out sort of if the players will play eventually and if they're not players that will play eventually – can you use them as a loophole in the short term to get the best score available to you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably I'll put a number on it just to make it probably more uh, more clear from where I stand. I reckon if you have maybe three to four non-playing rookies on your bench, 
it's probably worth maybe bringing someone in with a bit more of the short-term job security who's still going to make money. Um, so possibly a Goulden that you missed, possibly a Berry that you missed, possibly a Row that you missed. If you've got anything under that, like I personally, I currently have Treacy. Um, he's in my team. I'm using as as a loop. Uh, because he's going to come in eventually. Uh, we know that he's going to come in. He's just got that unfortunate suspension, which rounds him out for five weeks. And at that time anyway, I'm probably looking to start cashing in on people who maybe don't have the same job security. Adrian has a second question. Ooh. He has Max Gorn, Matthew Flynn, and Jared Witz in his ruck. Mm-hmm. He wants to know, should he ditch Jared Witz for the cash? No. Short answer, no. Um, you picked your primo. Jared Witts didn't really score that much better than um, a lot of the Ruckman who didn't do well, and he didn't even he scored a slightly better than Grundy, I believe. Uh, if um, my remembrance of what he scored was correct, I think it was seventy five or so. Um, from what we were talking, uh, demo we were talking off off pod. Um, it's it's purely not worth it. You're trading to you know a, what a hunter or a meek. Um, I can't remember where I heard it, but a long time ago, someone told me you value your trades at around 150,000. So even by trading down, you you make your little cash there, but then you've lost it because you still need to generate it. So um, if you missed out on maybe Hunter, we still don't know when Rowan Marshall's due back and how that's going to affect him. Um, even with Meek, it's Sean Darcy on the horizon. So I think trading at a primo or somebody that you've backed in for the long haul isn't really going to help you. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Jared Witts is someone you hold on to. Uh, you've saved money getting someone in who isn't Gorn or Grundy, and you've gone left of center and picked a point of difference. And there'll be rounds where it pays off, and there'll be rounds where it doesn't, but he's someone who will play if he's fit, and every round that he's available. So he's someone that you need to hold. You're trading should be aimed at getting your rookies off the field first. Any luxury trades can come later on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to say, Adrian, I do love the wits pod. Um, nice little point of difference there because I reckon he, he definitely has potential. So he's got a number one position. So back him in for a little bit longer. And then when it gets to dire straits, he's not your first problem. If your uh, first question was about not having all the rookies. We've got a question from Paul to the Gmail account. He he actually asked a question on the first pod as well. Oh, about, Paul. Uh, Repeat customer. I love him. Yeah. Uh, his question last week was about Fantasia uh, or Fantasia. That's worked out for us, hasn't it, old Paulie? Hey, hey, us Fantasia owners. This week he's asked about Darcy Moore, but it's more a case of should he sideways trade Jeremy Howe to Darcy Moore? My answer is no. I will agree with that. Jeremy Howe scored 83 of 13 disposals at 100%. So as long as Jeremy Howe gets his hands on the ball more than 13 times, he should score okay. Yeah, I think I, I would say it's uh, you know look it's it's not a dirty word, but it is a little bit like a little bit point chasey for me. Um, when more he only he scored you know 119 and that's a great score um 
but I think you and I both agree, Damo, that he'll probably he and Howe will probably end up around the same place by the end of it if it looks like they're scoring, like you said, may interchange a little bit. Um, he is cheaper and you do make a little bit of money going down, but really you're looking at his 119 and then let's be honest, the fantasy gods, you trade in more next week and then Howe's going to score 120 just to spite you. Yeah, I completely agree. How to more isn't a trade that's going to benefit your team in the long run. Um, so we'll move on to Twitter. And the first question is from Mitch. Mitch, how you going? Um, captaincy advice. All right. Well, let's... didn't really work out for most people in round one. People either went for Gorn or Neil. Yes, uh, I'm a Gorn, Gorn man myself. I went for Gorn. Painful. Yep. And in the lo- and in the scheme of things, he was actually one of the better options yes. that we could have gone for without much info at hand. Um, I'm just looking at the... The um, fixture. The fixture. And you've got Grundy up against Pitney. So Grundy has the opportunity to bounce back there. Uh, you've got Neil up against Geelong. Again, another opportunity for Neil to bounce back. Um, you've got Boak up against Essendon at Adelaide Oval. A good option if you have him. Um, Max Gorn is up against Paul Hunter, who didn't do very well against Matthew Flynn at all. Uh, Correct. Who in, else? in the wet. You've got... Uh, Dusty. You've got... Dusty and Tom Mitchell in the same game. Um both both teams that we know aren't prolific taggers. Um, I would say Hawthorne are probably more likely to tag Dusty. So if you have Titch, probably possibly a good look at him. And you've got the Bulldogs against the Eagles. Oh. Jack McRae just did as he yeah. pleased against Take your pick, Jack McRae, Dunkley. And then you've got the Dockers up against the Giants. DeBoer didn't tag against the Saints. So I'm not sure what the plans are for him this week, um, but you've got the likes of Fife, of course. Brayshaw. Uh, you've also got the likes of Brayshaw and Chera, who have scored really well. And if you want to go outside the box, you could choose Kelly. someone like a Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly. That's not really outside the box, is it? But no, no one really thinks of him as a captain. Yeah, because he's just as likely to fall over and hurt himself as he is to score 150. Um, personally, I'm in the 150 camp, uh, and as somebody had to trade out Danger and Rao, please, no more misfortune, especially to football players. They deserve to play. So, Mitch, I would rank Gorn as the best option. My second option would be Tom Mitchell. And my third option would be Travis Boat. Yep. Base, basing it completely on my team this week, I will be going the vice-captaincy on Gorn. And the if that doesn't pan out, I will look at probably Tom Mitchell um, on the Sunday because I will be using Tracy as my loophole. I uh, yeah, hope that helps. Okay. The next question is... Also from Mitch. Mitch, welcome back. Or a different Mitch. <laughs> is Boke a good pick or is 160 an outlier? 
160 is an outlier, but that doesn't make Boke a bad pick. Um, I think Boke definitely has a chance to be a top 10 midfielder this year. Um, he's somebody that kind of flies under the radar and just gets it done. Um, at his price point, if you needed to trade in, if you had a Matt Rowell and you had a little bit of cash in your bank and you wanted to trade somebody up, Boke's not a bad choice. Port Adelaide are going to be competitive, competitive this year, so he's going to be a core reason for that. My only question mark on Travis Boke this week is how the return of Connor Rosie affects his midfield time um, because Zach Butters was on the wing. I don't think Rosie will take any of his wing time away from him. It's more the midfielders that will be affected, I think, the inside midfielders. So you might see uh, Willem Drew get dropped for, for Connor Rosie. That creates headaches for our very own Azza. Um but yeah, I'm interested to see how it affects Boke's output. Well, the latest news that I can find in regards to this, doing a quick on-air fact check, looks like Rosie may even come back against the Dons. Um, Kinkley is, uh, quote, bullish that he'll be available. Um, but that, so, I mean, you might even get another round to look at that and see whether if he does play against the Dons, you can possibly get a look of how Boke's role changes with that. Um but I would say if you're desperate and you were looking to bring someone in, Tom Mitchell, I think, is around the same price and has definitely a more set role. I think we've answered yep. that one. We can move on to yep, another one. Let's go. Oh, here's someone hey. we know. Patches oh, asked us Patch. a question. Finally, coming to ask us, the gurus who run the mailbag, none of this on main podcast stuff. Buddy's back this week. Does this make Logan McDonald a more attractive rookie option for next week if he's taking the third defender? So the question I have is that even though Logan McDonald gets the third defender, do they still search for Buddy as a first option? Um, are they more likely to take risks to get it to him just because get it in the hands of the man who gets it done? And I believe, is is Buddy pretty close to breaking some records at this point in his career? I mean, this might... Yeah, he's he's getting very close to a 1,000 goals. I mean, get, him in, get the ball into his hands and let him get that before he breaks apart. My thing about this is so let's talk about let's talk about the impact of buddy first the defenders will it'll the teams that play the swans will be it's sort of like more of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation the teams that let buddy loose will be doing it knowing he is a known quantity the teams that don't let buddy loose will do it knowing that logan mcdonald and whoever else is in the forward line is a known quantity so it'll be more a case of you might find Buddy gets the number one defender in rounds one and rounds in quarters one and three, and then there's a sort of a rotation in two and four, something like that. I don't think it's uh, fate accompli that Buddy gets the number one defender, but I also don't think Logan McDonald will get the number one defender for the entire game. So to answer your question, Patch, maybe. 
Yeah, I don't ha- really have an it's, answer. Look, to be it, it's hard to quantify, and I think as well though, it's as soon as if Buddy gets injured or something happens, they'll play it pretty safe with him to get him through a majority of the season. Um, would be my other concern. Yeah, we we need to make sh- we need to to see him back at his best, and with the durability that he once had. But yeah, Logan McDonald. Hey, if Sydney are going to be that electrifying every week, he is still very much an attractive option. Next question is from the Sir Four Twenty. Sir, thank you, sir. Which player who didn't put up a massive score still excited you and might be a consideration if their scoring improves? Oh, this is a this is a tough one. I have two answers for this. Beautiful. You you go ahead. One one is I'm going to class a massive score as a triple figure score. So I'm going to cheat a little bit here and say that I was excited by Latham Vandermeer. He was electric on Friday nights, finished with 98, mid forward. I think he's about 300k. If he continues in that same vein, I might have to pick him up after he's had a few price rises. But if he's going to produce those sorts of numbers, he might be a cheap option that we can quickly get in to replace rookies. Yeah, well, like that. My second one, now, I just need to confirm. So give me two seconds while I confirm (laughs) this. Uh, Okay, cool. My second one is Took Miller. Oh, yeah. Finished the game against West Coast with an 80, but his ball use was sublime. I mean, I need to double check what his disposal efficiency was, but he was distributing the ball left, right, and center with precision as far as I could tell by eye. I wasn't looking at the stats. But for him to come away with it with an 80 surprised me a hell of a lot. Yeah. What about you? Who... Who excited you enough for you to keep an eye on them th- throughout the season? It's it's a really good question. I um like because a massive score to me is definitely in the triple figures, and there were a lot of people that didn't quite meet that mark. Um, I'll be honest. Around the grounds, I was I mainly watched the Melbourne game. It was the main game I watched this week, and I was kind of in and out on a lot of other ones. I think probably the one that I like the look of from a super coach perspective a lot. I actually really enjoyed Dyson Heppel's game um, against the Hawks. Um, Sorry to bring it up patch. That was messy. uh, If you're still listening, but I, I think he put together a really solid performance and he's definitely somebody who around that mark could be a quick, if, um, if I'm struck down with more injury concerns, three nineteen K he's definitely somebody I'd love to keep an eye on. Yeah, I I don't want to jump on the Dyson Heppel wagon, even if he does score well. And that's 
purely because I don't trust his body. Yeah, and and that's a fair that's a fair assessment. And uh, I think probably the the other one with uh, not a massive score is James Jordan. Um, really impressive, just as a young man uh, coming into that team, and with the news of James Harms uh, being out with the broken wrist. Um, means that Jack Viney comes in, but James Jordan may also be less likely to come out um, or be replaced if he can maintain good form. Melbourne is known for having a lot of depth in the mid, um, at least with people who can run, guys like Oscar Baker, Tom Sparrow, um, and all those guys. Even Sparrow was playing on the weekend. I think um, he had a really impressive first, like, proper round one outing. Next question's from Jamie. Hi, Jamie. What's a non-Dusty alternative for those looking to trade Danger out this week? Well, I think there's two obvious ones at the top of that list. It's Dunkley or Zorko. I will add to that list with Butters. Butters? How did Butters go? He scored 98. Okay, that's acceptable. Yeah, Butters. Butters could be a good look. Definitely got the role. Um, Heaney. Heaney, Heaney, Heaney. Um, with the return of Buddy, there is also a possibility that he could move more, get a little bit more midfield time um, and do what he's actually really good at with football. Um, with Logan McDonald as well. That's probably the other, the, the third effect or the third Logan McDonald, Buddy Franklin effect. throw another one up he didn't play last week but you've got steel side bottom coming back into the collingwood side as well is that this week that is this week he has been named beautiful so all the all the side bottoms um you get your look at him and last one for today is how do i restart my super coach team from ethan well, Ethan, I hate to tell you, buddy, but restarting your team is the coward's way out. Yeah. L- listen, mate, if you really think your team is in that bad of a shape, it's really not. Um, I'm happy, as I'm sure Clarkie is too, to take a look and see if we can offer you any advice. Oh, absolutely. I'm more than happy to help the community that has helped me so much, especially while I'm on the top of my high horse. But just remember, things are never as bad as they seem and things are never as good as they seem either, especially in in the land of Supercoach. But Ethan, don't worry your pretty little head. We still love you, even though you want to take the easy way out. We just... Um, it's very easy, I think, this round as well with a lot of underperforming, particularly Gorn and Grundy. Um, the most disappointing performances made it very difficult to swallow as a whole, I think, for the round. Um, you know, you got people who, are like myself, had Danger and Rao, uh, who I now have to get rid of and figure that out. So there's always a way around it. There's always a way to come back. And it's only round one. There's plenty more to go. Clarky, any questions for me? 
Well, I have I have many questions, but they're only solely going to benefit me because I'm a man of indecision and gut feel. Um, but how are you, how are you feeling coming into round two and your position? I'm going to be completely transparent and say I've made a corrective trade. Beautiful. I had 80k in my bank um, through some shrewd rookie maneuvering after some fantastic scores. And so Ned Carl has become Jordan Clark. I like that move, personally. Uh, I think it's a good move. I like Jordan Clark's. Uh, he's playing quite well at the moment, and I think he holds his spot at least as long as you need him to. Did you go three or four deep in your defenders? I can't remember. I went four, but Jordan Clark is currently in my midfield. Oh, even better. Even better. My question for you this week is... Who's going to be the better midfielder for Melbourne this year? Clayton Oliver or Christian Petrarca? <laughs> really, you put you put my two sons on a cliff and tell me that you're going to push one of them? And, let, and let's talk in terms of super coach In terms average. of super coach average, I think there is absolutely no doubt Clayton Oliver um, will be higher than Christian Petrarca. Um, I just think that the part of the role that Oliver plays, the ball goes through his hands a lot more and particularly in this faster pace um, game that that seems to be the trend for this year. I think overall he's probably going to continue to push that even further. But I will say that I think possibly Petrarca has the highest ceiling just because Petrarca is more likely to go forward and kick goals or more likely to be, you know, in those really hard need to win contests. Um, whereas Oliver is a key to moving that ball quickly, but he's still capable of kicking a goal. But I think Petrarca is the more high impact player. Um, but Oliver is absolutely going to average more. Does that make sense? Did I make sense? Absolutely makes sense. So you think Oliver, but Petrarca probably has the highest ceiling. Yeah, Petrarca, I think has a higher ceiling. Oliver, I think will have the higher average. Our listeners will want to get their questions in oh, for God, next week. So. We have a very special guest, or maybe very special guests. We don't know yet. We will have at least one guest. We have at least one of the boys from Supercoach Insider joining us for next week's mailbag. Oh, I'm so excited. So make sure you get your questions in. So get your questions in. We'll answer them because it's going to be lots and lots of questions because that's when the money starts to move. That's it. Next week is a big one. So we've brought in some big guns and we are very thankful for Supercoach Insider. Happy to have them on. See you next week.